Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. All right, it's at o'clock. Let's get at it. Rabo and Co. here, ESPN 680, 1057. I am Louis Rabo at Radio Louis. On Twitter, you can find the station at ESPN 680 as well. We'll be hanging out till noon. Bobby V after us, of course, roundtable. Strebel edition until 6 o'clock, 3 to 6 today here at ESPN 680, 105.7. Got you local from 7 to 6 every weekday here on ESPN Louisville. Louisville women's basketball tonight. Bellarmine's playing on our air tonight. Lots of great stuff going on with our programming here at ESPN Louisville as well. All right, so obviously we're going to open with Kentucky losing to Florida last night. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. Let me say it one more time. The more things change the more they stay the same, and not in a bad way. Last night was about a couple of things. I think it was about two. And we do have Cal Sound and uh, being corrected by a Florida coach who's probably 38 years younger than he is. We'll get into that later. Old Todd Golden. Todd. Can you, can you be anything but look like Todd Golden and be named Todd? I think those are the rules. It's just what it is. I think two things happened last night. I think you had a short bench allegedly because of injuries and you get to the end of that game and it's back and forth. And by the way, for those of us who aren't Kentucky fans, who aren't Florida fans, it's a damn fun game to watch. It's okay to say out loud. It was a fun basketball game. It is fun to watch games. I mean, Drew and, and Mark were talking about it. Both teams attempted 78 field goals, two shots a minute per team. Fantastic. Give me all of it. I'll take all of it. The rest of the season. It's way better than the last couple of games that Kentucky was part of. But I think it's absolutely reasonable to be pulling your hair out this morning if you're a Kentucky fan for how that game ended. And to me, it was pretty simple. Dillingham goes to the line. He misses the second shot. The instruction should have been to the team. If he misses the second one, you foul. And what I'm not doing, and chasing with me this morning, Zach getting some sleep in on a Thursday. I'm happy about that. 437 UPS Jobs text line. It's not, I'm not engaging in the do you, do you foul up three debate. I, I think reasonable people can have opinions about that and feel either way on the topic. But in this case, when you have guys who do not usually play this number of minutes, Reed Shepard didn't come off the floor last night. You know, Trey Mitchell's playing 38 minutes, Antonio Reeves, 37 minutes. Ugana Onyenso, 33 minutes. That's like playing 45 
for Reed Shepard. Rob Dillingham played 39 minutes last night. When you get to the end of that game, your guys are going to be tired. Don't get up at the podium and say, we were defending for them to not shoot the three. You're tired. You don't have a team that closes out. I've never in my life, Chase, I've never watched a team with this much athleticism not be able to close out on a three-point basket. It's stunning. It is startling, and it is troublesome going forward for this Kentucky team. In this case... At the end of this game, when you are up three, you have to foul because you've got tired legs on your sideline. Period. Conversation over. And that is coaching malpractice. Don't get up there and tell us that you dominated all the statistical categories and that all that happened was free throws. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. You don't have to do that, Cal. You don't have to do that. Your team stunk at the free throw line. It's okay to say. But that's coaching malpractice. It's okay to say out loud. You can't get to the end of that game with the tired legs on your sideline and let a guy hoist a three, especially in this era when we still have these COVID guys who are like 38 years old still playing college basketball. They've been around the block. They're not intimidated by Rupp. No offense. The environment was awesome last night by every measure that I could tell. Tons of people. It was really loud. Back and forth game. Really fun. Seemed like a great environment. Florida doesn't care. These guys don't care. They've been playing at this level for five years, most of them. You're not going to beat them over the head with your home court advantage anymore. You have to outscheme them sometimes. If you score that many points in regulation, if you are Kentucky and you score 84 points in regulation, you have to win the game. Period. Conversational. And last night with tired legs, they didn't foul. And that's not okay. Kentucky has one other loss at home this year, and it was to UNC Wilmington. It was a bad loss. And these games have something in common. A man named DJ Wagner played in neither of them. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. And this is how. Last year, about two months before now, beginning, so it's, First day of February, happy first of the month to all of you who celebrate. And happy end of dry January to those of you about to ruin your life again in February. I'm kidding. <laughs> By the way, Chase, I'm going to say your name during this, and it's more of just a um, it's more of just a device for me. Yeah. Uh, I say Zach's name, but I'm never talking to him. Okay. It's okay. just that Zach is the other person in the room. Right? Yeah. So yeah. There you go. So you can turn your mic off. How about that? The more things change, the more they stay the same. At the beginning of December last year, we started to ask the question, does Case and Wallace need to be the focal point of the guards rather than a severe wheeler and the focal point of the offense rather than an Oscar Sheepway? And last night nailed home an absolute reality for Cal teams, which is that the point guard has to be not just great, he has to be elite. He has to be elite, okay? You watched Casey Wallace last year. Say whatever you want about him. He's a 6'5 kid, played great defense. I thought he was an above-average scorer, top 10 draft pick. DJ Wagner this year, I, I, and if you listen to this show, you're probably tired of hearing this. My favorite thing about him is you never know when he's going to be convinced he has a seam and he can get to the basket. I love watching players that do that kind of stuff. It's also he's lefty, kind of quirky. I like that too. There's something about lefties in sports. Something about that left-handed swing in baseball that's just prettier than the right-handed swing. Agreed. I cannot describe why it is, but I think that's kind of a universal for people. DJ Wagner, though, (laughs) he's that guy this year. And it's an uncomfortable fact for this team. And the reason it's uncomfortable is because if you look at the roster, that's not what you would want. You would want it to be a Reed Shepard. And he had a great game last night. Ugandan Yeso almost had a triple-double with blocks. 
with blocks. They have the rip protector that we've been screaming about all season. He's there. His name is Uganan Yetzel of all freaking people. More things this season, it feels like with Kentucky basketball, have fallen into place, not by their own doing, but just because they've fallen into place. Trey Mitchell's not on this team if Bob Huggins isn't drunkenly recycling in the wrong city. <laughs> I hope like five people got that joke. Ugana Yenso went into the transfer portal to try to get more money from other schools, discovered he wasn't wanted by other schools in the way that he could be paid in Lexington and came back. Kind of crawling back. We didn't really talk about it at the time, but homeboy crawled back. You'd like it to be a Dillingham, but what is he on defense? Is he tenacious? Sure. Is he fa- is he sound? No. <laughs> it's okay to say it's not. <laughs> and you'd love for it to be an Aaron Bradshaw, but he's just not there. He's just not. And I think the injury really set him back. If he was healthy the whole summer, I think he'd be a very different player right now. But he's not. It's okay to say it. He's not. I don't think it's a development issue. I don't think it's anything like that. I think he just hasn't had time to get his legs underneath him and be the player that Kentucky really does need him to be. But it was a fatal combination last night. Short bench and bad coaching. It is okay to say out loud that was bad coaching. Now, there's going to be a man who does a show after this one. His name is Bob. Robert, if we're going by Christian names. And he has a saying, and I think it's I think it's mostly right for the team on offense. He says, you know, kid pulls up for a three at the end of a game, and the ball's in the air. And everyone's thinking, good coach, bad coach, good coach, bad coach, good coach, bad coach. And it depends on whether the shot goes in or not. The second Florida was able to get that three-pointer off, it was bad coach for John Calipari. Now it was good coach, bad coach for Todd Golden. But it was bad coach for John Calipari. That shot should never get off the ground. It should never leave the hands of a Florida offensive player. You cannot say in the same session at the podium, I played guys 45 minutes. I played guys 39 minutes who have been averaging 18. I played guys well into the 30s who really should be playing high 20s, low 30s. Oh, yeah, I sent them out there to defend. And they're going to be fine doing something they're not good at. You already know it's a defect of your team. We know that about this team. Closing out on threes is a problem for this team. And a reminder, we will talk to Ben Roberts at 1020 from the Herald Leader. He was there last night. You have to foul in that situation. And again, it's not the do you foul up three debate. I'll do that in June when there's nothing to talk about. (laughs) We're not doing that today. Last night was a mistake. It's okay to say out loud. The Todd Golden stuff is funny. (laughs) It's okay to say too. And that's actually a Ben question. We'll ask Ben about being in that in that room for that. Can you play that for us, Chase? Cal saying we beat Florida in so many categories, and then Todd Golden's response. Let's just play them back to back. If you haven't heard this yet, this is this is the good stuff, people. This is the good stuff. Go ahead, Chase. What do you have? It. So many categories we did. We beat them in, and this was similar to the game down there. So what did Todd Golden say? I think the question is the question from Ben Robertson here. We'll find out. Let's go. Todd, Cal said. There it is. Uh, he, they beat you guys in just about every category, yet you came out with the win. What did you see was was the difference in this game from your perspective? I thought it was a pretty even game looking at the stat sheet. You know, um, we hit 12 threes. They hit 10. We made 18 free throws. They made 11. We out-rebounded them by two. We each had the same assists, same turnovers. So, uh, uh 
it's kind of factually incorrect, to be honest. Oh, uh, Texter saying Wagner's actually not a lefty, just goes to the basket a lot on the left and shoot left hand. Oh, okay. Well, damn. I, okay, I appreciate that part of his game. Then how about that? I um. By the way, it is it is it is fun. Not gonna lie, as an outsider, to hear somebody be swaggy at Rupp that isn't Cal. That was kind of fun. Not gonna lie. Good for Todd Golden, and he's right. By the way, Florida was awesome last night. They were really really good on the road last night. If they actually had they played like that at Florida, they played better last night than they did in the first game against Kentucky. And that's a credit number one to Todd Golden, but it's credit also to the veterans on that team. And I don't think I'm saying anything right now that anybody out there doesn't agree with. Maybe that maybe the DJ Wagner part. But we're seeing it, man. You, you got to have that guy in the Cal system for this team to go and do the things that that I think many of us think they can do. Justin Edwards, not in the game last night. They scored 91 points. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. Onyenso with a bunch of blocks. They weren't getting those with, with Edwards. You may as well play Onyenso. But it sets up an interesting scenario the rest of the season as well. We have talked on the Louisville side of things. Hersey Miller is quote-unquote out of town for medical exams. Do we believe that or not? That's up to you. Dennis Evans. He'll never be cleared to play here again conveniently over Christmas break after he's gone home to see his family. Do we believe that? Apparently a lot of people do. I've been called a lot of bad names on Twitter. That's fine. Oh, he got injured in practice. He messed up his shoulder. He's out the rest of the year. Do we believe that? Okay. Do we believe Justin Edwards is actually hurt or are his feelings hurt? And I think that's a really important question the rest of the way. Aaron Bradshaw is right on the cusp here. If people remember over the summer when he had the foot injury, there was legit concern. Chris Livingston last season, a clutch kid. That process was ugly. Aaron Bradshaw seems to not be like that. I want to be very clear about it. And I'll ask Ben about it. He appears not to be that kind of kid. He does seem to be a team guy, whatever that's worth. By the way, when you assemble a team like this, it's really important. After losses like this, you need this to be a very good unit because Tennessee's coming to town and they do not care about your feelings. Tennessee is beatable. I want to be very clear. Tennessee's very beatable. Kentucky should win that game. I want to be clear. I'm going to say Kentucky should win on Saturday. But Tennessee's one of these teams. Everybody's 25. <laughs> they're, all, they're all the size of NBA guys. And they're going to come in and not care. And it's not going to stop. You got to play Gonzaga after that. You got to play Ole Miss at home after that. And Ole Miss isn't world beaters. But Chris Beard's a problem, man. Guy could coach. Then you got to go to Auburn. They need DJ Wagner healthy. That's what it is. And they need him to be. They need him to be the point man, quite literally, as the point guard and the point man in the offense. Almost certainly why they call it the point guard. Four three seven nine six eighty UPS jobs text line. Someone pointing out how many losses at Rupp UK has had over the last couple of years. And it is startling. Um, Since 2017, UK has 13 home losses during the same time. Kansas has three, Purdue has three, Izzo has six, and Duke has eight. And I think we think of, you know, it's funny, it's one of my favorite things about being in this bubble and being a guy who went to Michigan State is how much people dog Izzo down here. Like he sucks. Guy just won his 700th game against his rival on his birthday. <laughs> he doesn't suck. I know, and I know it's more like 
hey, you've been to the Final Four a lot, you don't win titles. Yeah, it's because he takes teams that don't belong in the Final Four to the Final Four. I mean, it, let's call it what it is, right? If Izzo had done at Louisville the last 20 years what he did at Michigan State, there would be multiple statues around this city. It's okay to say. But that's 13 home losses since the start of 2017. It's a lot, man. It's two a year, essentially. It's a lot. Now, this one last night is completely avoidable, and that's why it's frustrating. And if you're one of those Kentucky fans, and you watched the early part of the season, and you saw the scoring, and you got excited, and you saw the dudes. We talk about that on this show. X's and O's, fine. Give me Jimmy's Joe's. Give me dudes. They got dudes, man. That ain't the question. It's what's Cal going to do down the stretch. You got to be screaming foul. They had, I think I counted eight opportunities to foul on ball before that three went up. Eight. (laughs) (sighs) Can you play the Cal sound? Cal one here uh, on that decision not to foul uh, and does have the question with it. Coach, there at the end of regulation was, I know it was off a missed free throw. Was there thought of a foul there? Was the plan to foul? There was, there was a little more time than we wanted, but everything we were doing was to make them shoot some too. And the kid drove it in the lane, and one of my guys just left his man and threw it out. So if we were going to foul with that much time against a really good rebounding team, it's just dangerous. And I'd rather play it out. And I thought they played it out pretty good. But, yeah, that was – we talked about it. I said, let's play this out, make sure they're not getting threes. I thought about calling a timeout before his second free throw. And then I'm like, I'll freeze the kid. Why let him shoot it, he'll make it. So that's – that's basketball. Whatever decision you make, if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, ah, should have done it the other way. Good coach, bad coach. And I get it. I get that part. I really do. I get that part. But last night, he's wrong. He's wrong about that last night. Go ahead, Chase. You're fine. No, I agree. I, I think, to your point about them being tired, the first thing that goes when you're tired is, is your brain. And so he's saying, my, one of my guys left his man. Of course. Like, you have to make it more simple for them in that situation. <laughs> That's right. That's 100%. Right. As a coach, that's what you're there for when they're, you know, really, really tired like Reed Shepard is. I cannot imagine throughout the Commonwealth last night how many remotes got broken, how many things were thrown, uh, how many hands were, were damaged in the slamming of hands because that's a that's an avoidable three-pointer. It just is. It's just avoidable. And by the way, the I don't want to ice Rob Dillingham, have you watched Rob Dillingham this year? He's all ice in the best way. Ice in the veins in the best way. So that part I don't buy either. Texter, Edwards is pulling a wheeler like last year, crybaby sad and pouting. Cal has let kids walk all over him too much to change. I I think his feelings were hurt more than his body last night. Texter, I think you are correct. A lot of kids nowadays play hurt in a different way that their feelings are hurt because when uh, everyone tells them how great they are from day one, so they don't accept coaching well, that KP uh, tells them they're great and they suck. It's a fine line. Yeah, no, on both sides, it's a fine line. It is. Coaching's hard, man. It's not easy. That's why we pay a lot of money for it. The Tomlin sound the other day was really good. Uh, You really have to sign up and and know what you're getting into uh, that way. Thank you for the text, 437-9680. If you have questions for Ben, 437-9680 on our UPS Jobs text line. Take a break here. Ben Roberts on the other end. He's presented by our friends at Martini Italian Bistro, martinilouisville.com. We'll talk to him next here on ESPN 680-1057. Do you just take the two minutes that are in here or you want me to pad? 
Okay, all right. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Welcome back in. Welcome back in. It is Rabo and Co. here, ESPN 680-1057. Louisville women's basketball in action tonight over on 93.9, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip. And, of course, Bellarmine basketball to play Kennesaw State. 7.15 pregame, 7.30 tip right here on your home for Bellarmine basketball, ESPN 680-1057. We'll remind you about Wing Zone later, but, of course, Want to bring in our friend Ben Roberts. He's from the Herald Leader uh, at Ben Roberts HL on Twitter, Kentucky.com slash sports. He's presented by our friends at Martini Italian Bistro, MartiniLouisville.com out there in the East End. My favorite spot for lunch uh, out in that part of town. Uh, good morning, Ben. When did you get to bed last night? Uh, 2.30. Oh, okay. That's a lot better than I thought you were going to say because <laughs> there was a lot to write and talk about, obviously, from last night. Uh, I, do ne- I, I never assume that people jumping on this show we're listening prior to them coming on. And so uh, I essentially opened with two things. One, the importance of DJ Wagner to this team. And the second thing is when you have to play a short bench like this at the end of a game like this, I think you have to foul just because guys are tired and you already don't defend threes well. Essentially, that's what I just talked about for 20 minutes, believe it or not. Uh, DJ Wagner, uh, injury update, how long is he out? And do you agree with my assessment that essentially, like we had the conversation last year about Casey Wallace, he's going to have to actually be the guy going forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, as we've talked about before, I don't think he has to be the guy as in he's got to be the star of the show or or anything like that. But uh, but I, I think this team clearly needs him. And certain players on this team clearly need him on the court for 30 minutes a game um, to be effective, to take some of the uh, defensive um, attention off of some others. And he just gets in there and creates. And even though, I mean, he gets beat some defensively, so does everybody else on this team. Um, But what he does offensively and and the way he's able to shift defenses around and get guys open and just kind of get stuff started, um, get action started, uh, it's clearly important to this team. Uh, I think Reed Shepard, um, while he's played well both games that DJ was out, I think he's much better with, with DJ on the court. Yep. Um, uh, I just I, 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 I just think that's <laughs> that's how it is at this point. And uh, I think those two games have, have shown that pretty clearly. Um, as far as injury update, he, you know, moving around last night, watching him pregame and everything, um, he he seemed to be a little better than he was like at the at the UNC Wilmington game. Obviously, I think he had a week, uh, but uh, from that one to the next one to uh, to get back. But you know, with the ankles, I know, um, and it's not just this year. I mean, Cal did it with with Fox. He's done it in the past with guys where he's not he's not going to risk anything in January um, or even February to to get a guy out on the court, even in a even in a conference game, if if he thinks that that might. Um, have the, put them give them a chance to to be out longer down the stretch. You don't want that kind of stuff to linger. And as we just talked about, DJ Wagner is super important to this team. So um, yeah, I, I I don't know when he'll be back. I don't know if he'll be back Saturday night. Um, we'll see. Ben Roberts with us. He's from the Herald Leader, Kentucky.com slash sports, the best newsroom uh, in the state of Kentucky when it relates to sports. Uh, look, this is. Cal gets up. He talks about, hey, there's this amount of time left. We thought there was a little bit too much time for fouling. We had talked about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, did you buy his rationale? Do you think that that was how the conversation went, or do you think he forgot to tell his boys? 
No, I don't think he forgot to tell his players because I know that's a conversation they have. Um, they had it, uh, what was it, the North Carolina game. Um, and oh, then he kind of joked that, that he told Reed to foul. <laughs> when everybody else walked away, he told Reed to foul, and then Reed uh, didn't, didn't really get a chance to foul. They won the game anyway, obviously. And, I, you know, I, he, he's – I don't want to say he's always deferred to the players, but he does give the players a lot of leeway in situations like this. And I know that when you ask competitive players what they want to do, they want to play defense. They want to play it out. Um, and last night I thought was – you know, in some cases, I think you foul. Last night, I thought was a little trickier because they are, I mean, maybe the best offensive rebounding team in the country. I think they're number three on Ken Palm uh, in that stat. Uh, and it gets a little dicey when you do have a little time on the clock. So, I mean, even when uh, there were still three seconds left after Clayton hit the shot. So, if they were going to foul Pullen, there were still going to be seven, eight seconds left probably. Um, I don't know that, that you necessarily – give up those points in that situation. You know, that's a, okay. that's, that's a different question for everybody. Everybody has a different yeah. answer. I, I know Todd Golden talked about it after <laughs> the game, and he is Mr. Analytics, and he said analytically in that situation it, it's basically 50-50. So it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a preference on what you want to do. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think that was necessarily a mistake not to foul. I mean, obviously, in hindsight, uh, they should have fouled because he hit the shot. Sure. But going into it, no, I, I, I think there's there's something warranted in, in trying to play defense in that situation. All right, fair enough. Uh, ben Roberts again at Ben Roberts HL on Twitter. He's presented by our friends at Martini Italian Bistro, martinilouisville.com. Uh, Ogana Nienso, uh is worth talking about here, 33 minutes. Uh, good enough from the field, excellent at the free throw line, and just essentially a triple-double yesterday with blocks. How about that? Um, we talk about rim protectors in the Cal system. Is this something going forward? I thought I thought the most um, encouraging part of Onyenso is 33 minutes on the floor and you didn't get the Oscar effect on offense, right? Where you still got the blocks, you still got the rebounding from him, but the offense still flowed a lot better. Um, I mean, I, I'm not asking like for a letter grade for Ugani yesterday, but is this can he do this again in multiple games going forward? Essentially, is this repeatable? Yeah, I think he can, I, and I think I think. Um... You know, he does give that kind of classic Calipari team, you know, what, what Cal wants down there um, in a shot blocker and a rim protector. The, the most amazing thing to me last night was not the points, the rebounds, or the blocks. Um, indirectly, I guess it was the blocks and rebounds because he had zero fouls. Mm. I mean, he was doing all that, and it was just sheer timing. He was playing a physical you know, a physical style of basketball, too, last night, and, and just was very, very effective. He was obviously tired at the very end. I was talking to him at the end of the interview session, and when he got out of the chair, he went, oh, my knees, <laughs> when he stood up. So, um, you know, he, he's hurting after after 33 minutes, and, and I, I'm sure people remember, but it's worth repeating that he had not played basketball at all for about five months until about six weeks ago. Um, and for him to be able to go out there, and it wasn't just this game, he's done it a couple times in, in the recent past, to put up those kind of minutes and to remain effective uh, is a big, big plus for this team. Clearly the biggest positive um, from last night for them, one of the only positives, is the way that, that he played and, and he continues to play. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I think rebounding – 
you know, I think we all knew he could block shots. Uh, we saw that last year, even in the limited time. He's got good timing. He's got good instincts. Um, maybe he was a step slow, especially against the better teams last season. But that's obviously picked up this year. Uh, but the rebounding, I think, is the most impressive. He's really worked on his body. Uh, I know he was really lifting weights while he was hurt, doing whatever he could to, to kind of bulk up. And he has, I mean, he's not afraid of contact. You know, in the past, he's he's been a little slighter, could get pushed around a little bit more. Um, but he's not afraid of it. He'll go down there and battle. And now that he is a little bigger, and now that he is a little bit more confident, um, you know, 16 rebounds, that that's, that's really, really huge for him. And if, if they can get that, especially on this team, a team that needs it, um, that, that's going to be big down the stretch. And, you know, he's established as Aaron struggles, and, and obviously they, they don't like what they're seeing from Z on defense. Um, he's establishing himself as, as pretty clearly the, the top post on this team. Ben Roberts with us, Kentucky.com slash sports for all the happenings down at the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, is In my opinion, this is a, a the kind of loss that eliminates you from winning the SEC regular season. Um, and they're 5-3 and three in the conference here. Tennessee coming to town. they got to go to Auburn. They've got a bunch of games coming up on the schedule. Uh, do you think the SEC regular season is now out of reach? And is that a reflection of how they're playing or just the fact that uh, Nate Oates uh, <laughs> turns out that Lamont Harris is quite a, quite an okay coach and Auburn's pretty good, Tennessee's pretty good. Uh, obviously, Chris Beard's doing the thing at Ole Miss, et cetera. Uh, is it a reflection of that or, or am I a little off base here and they still got a decent shot at winning the regular season? I mean, I still think they have a shot, but I didn't really uh, – you know, they weren't my favorite going into the the conference season anyway just because they are still young. You expect, as we talked about in the past, you expect to maybe drop a game at a South Carolina or lose a home game to a Florida, um, and that's not even putting into account two games against Tennessee and, and having to go to Auburn and, and some of these on-paper, quote-unquote, tougher games – um, you know, we've always seen Cal's teams, especially recently, go through growing pains um, throughout the season, but but especially on the road in the SEC. So I think it was expected that that was going to continue. And, you know, they did – you know, his, some of his teams did that when the SEC was not very good at all. Uh, you look at that Brandon Knight team, some of the other teams, uh, that, that you know, they struggled relative to expectations when the SEC was really down. and. Hmm. There are, you know, there's there's maybe one or two teams that that you could pencil in a victory, and even even that is dangerous, I think, uh, these days. So, yeah, I, I don't expect them to win the SEC. I, I wouldn't uh, completely shut the door on it, but I, I'd certainly have others ahead of them um, as most likely. You mentioned this being a young team, and I think both you and I think that in the month of February, for example, since it is February 1st, that they can get better as the season trudges on here, right? Um, what does that improvement look like in Ben Roberts' mind? Is it on the defensive end? Do they become a better transition team, a better turnover team? What does that look like for Ben Roberts? Yeah, I mean, transition, they just have to get the opportunities. I think they're fine there. Uh Defensively, it's clearly got to be defensively. and But, you know, I don't know how that comes together. Uh, I, I do think there's something – I mean, obviously they're young and they're all still fairly new as teammates. I do think there's something in the connectivity argument that, one, they still have not been at full strength all season long. Two, they keep – you know, you insert Bradshaw, you insert Onyenso, you insert Z. DJ's been out a couple times. Adu's been in and out. There's been no continuity at all. 
And when you don't have that kind of continuity, even in practice, you don't have the communication that needs to be there uh, between the five guys on the court uh, to to kind of to know each other, to get the feel for each other. Um, you know, you see that at all sports. You got to have all team sports. You got to have a a good feel for for your teammates and who's going to be where and and who who has these tendencies and who who likes to do that. And that's especially true on the defensive end in, in college basketball. Um, so if they were able to get everybody back, say, Saturday night and play 10 games in the regular season and Cal settle into some sort of coherent rotation, uh, I could see the defense getting better, uh, definitely, especially w- with Ugana uh, coming on like he has and, and kind of being that anchor in the middle. Um, and they also have very willing defenders. I mean, right. DJ Wagner gets beat. He's a willing defender. Reed Shepard gets beat. He's a willing defender. All these guys want to play defense, want to get better. Antonio Reeves has gotten a lot better over the course of the last year. Uh, Trey Mitchell will, will get in there and battle, but it's just a matter of being on the same page. And, and you know, they, they just haven't shown it yet. Ben Roberts with us. He's from the Lexington Herald Leader at Ben Roberts HL on Twitter. He's presented by our friends at Martini Italian Bistro, martinilouisville.com. Uh, Bradshaw gets nine minutes last night. I'm going to lump these two guys together. And Scal Edwards gets um, gets no minutes last night. Um, is is Scal Edwards actually hurt or are his feelings hurt at this point? No, I mean, he uh, he was he, – he got hurt before the Arkansas game and, um, you know, as – as much as he struggled, I think it was pretty clear watching him play in that game that there was something even more a little off. So, uh, no, I mean, he he's another guy. Like, yeah, he struggled. He knows he struggled. He knows more than anybody in the country that he struggled. <laughs> but but he's as, also as competitive as they come. And, and he uh, he's his own worst critic, and he wants to get out there. And I know when he has a bad game, he would like to go out two hours later and, and try to play again to, to try to rectify it, to try to get better. I, you know, he wants that breakthrough as much as everybody around him in that locker room, coaching staff, obviously fans want to see him break through and, and start to live up to those expectations. You know, he wants, he wants it more than anybody else. And he knows that the only way to do that is to get out on the court. So, um, no, I mean that, you know, they, they, they all want to be out there. It's, it's just, a, they, they just haven't been able to do it so far. What has happened to Aaron Bradshaw's numbers? Do you think is he just going through it? Is it? I, I I said earlier in the show that I think if he's healthy all of last summer, he looks like a very different player at this point. Yeah, um, I think that he's just been handcuffed by that that situation, that scenario, etc. Um, is it is it simply that that he just didn't have the run up that the normal player would have coming into February, or is there something else going on with Aaron Bradshaw? Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a lot of it, and you know when we talked. What is it? About a year ago, you know, we talked about Aaron Bradshaw. I always talked about Aaron Bradshaw in high school as oh, yeah. the the guy with the highest ceiling in that entire class, not Kentucky's class nationally. Yep. Um, that he was that good, that he had that much potential. But I wasn't sure that it was ever going to come out at Kentucky um, on a consistent basis, at least. And that was before he got hurt and before he lost eight months of development. Yeah. Um, that's tough. I mean, when when you're already that kind of prospect where you need to be in the gym the entire summer, where you need to go to Canada and be able to play, uh, where you need to get in those individual workout sessions with John Welch all summer and fall as much as you possibly can, and you don't get any of that, 
you know that that's really really difficult. And then I think it I think it makes it more difficult when you come out in your second game and you look like an NBA yeah. lottery pick no, that's right. right off the yeah. bat. And then you come back against uh, what, you know what's now a top five team in the country, and you look pretty good there too. Uh, and obviously, since there, there, since then, there have been flashes. Second half against Florida, the first game, um, but but they've been few. And, and I think it is just, you know, he just he just needs more time. And I I don't know that you know all of that put together with all of that missed time in the off season. You know, I don't know that it does come together consistently for him. I, I think, you know, I think your best case scenario for him, if you're Kentucky, is. If he figures out a way to stay on the court, rebound, uh, be competent defensively, and then scoring wise, just kind of gives you whatever he can give you. Uh, you know, I, I think they, I think they just need quality minutes from him, especially from a from a rebounding perspective. I'm sure. You, I'm sure you remember this time last year. We were doing the thing where we go through the schedule and we say, "Hey, how do we think Kentucky's going to fare in the next couple of games?" And one of them was the game at Arkansas. Where Case Wallace couldn't play, and they went, and they, frankly, Case and Severe, I think, were both out. They didn't even have a point yeah. guard. They go to Arkansas and they win the game. Tennessee this Saturday, Ben, feels a lot to be like this season's version of last year's trip to Arkansas. Um, it, could I be right about that, or do you think Tennessee just comes in and looks like Tennessee, or did maybe South Carolina give us an idea of how to beat Tennessee this year? Yeah, well, I think South Carolina's given us an idea of how to beat just everybody. everybody. Yes, right. My yeah, parents out there balling. Yes. About- Last week, Lamont Paris knows what he's doing uh, over there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little early. Uh, I, you know, games in a vacuum like that, especially a season like this, especially college basketball the way it is right now. Sure. You know, I don't know that if they go out and lose to Tennessee at home by 15 points, that really changes, you know, depending on how they look, I guess. That really changes my perspective on what this Kentucky team can can be two months from now. Or six weeks from now, I guess at this point, um, it, it, I, it it will be interesting to see what they they can do. It will be interesting to see if they're full strength, uh, what they can do. But again, I don't really expect that. I, I think people have expectations of that. Oh, that first game where they're full strength, that's going to be it. They're gonna they're gonna be ready. It's, it's going to be you know the the uh, it's all going to be assembled. They're going to be able to start kind of blowing people away. I think that's going to take some time. I think they need to get there. They need to get four or five games under their under their belt. Cal needs to see who works well with who um, and go from there. I, this is still going to be a process, I think, the, the entire rest of the regular season. Uh, and I, I think at this point, Cal, you know, he's done it a lot in his past seasons, just trying to get it together at the end to make that run in March. And I think this is a really good example of that, given the circumstances that they've had. I, I don't think that would be the case if everybody was healthy at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, I, I think they'd obviously be in a lot better uh, situation as far as rotations and roles and all of that. But, you know, we're here February 1st, and it's it's really unclear who what a lot of people's roles are, what, what you know, what it's going to look like at the end of the game on any given night. You know, the South Carolina game – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he he threw so many different lineups and rotations and yeah. subs and all of that out there throughout the night. And then last night he plays with the same guys for the last ten twenty five of regulation. And if Rob didn't get cramps, it would have been the same five yeah, for, the, right. for the entire five minutes of overtime. Um, so he's still clearly trying to figure it out, and and that's got to be tough when you don't know who's going to be playing any given night. 
All right, uh, last basketball one, then we'll get to our uh, culture questions. Uh, 11 games left in the regular season. What do you think their record looks like in the last 11? In the last 11, uh, glancing at it right here, I will say 7-4. and four. Okay. All right, so. Uh, Which would put them at what? 12 and. 12 and 7 in the conference? Right. Seven and four. Oh, yeah, because the Gonzaga game. Oh, Gonzaga game, so yeah. Six, 11, yeah, 11 and 7. 11 and 7, there you go. Okay, all right. Uh, how how does that measure up to what you thought before the season, before the regular season started, uh, as far as the conference? Before the conference season or before the regular season? Before the conference season. Uh, probably a little... Sounds a little disappointing. Probably not quite up to expectations before okay. the conference season because by the time they got to league play, they were they were better than I thought they would be, uh, especially at that point in the season, before the regular season. Yeah, that makes sense. Essentially coming out of the the win over North Carolina before starting conference season. Uh, ben Roberts... Yeah, and even, I mean, even the way they played against Kansas, yeah, the, the whole, the oh, whole sure. thing, I thought they just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that was the most recent, you know, big game before uh, conference Mm -hmm. season started. Uh, They also won in the Yum Center in that time. Uh, Notice I didn't bring that one up. So there you go. Uh, Ben Roberts with us here. Uh, It is National Hijab Day. How about that? Is there a, and I asked this, this is something I ran into all the time with, with Dan, was I would put like this kind of article on the show sheet. And instead of like having a conversation with me about where I wanted to lead the conversation, he would just say, this is the dumbest thing you've ever put on the show sheet. So I'm going to change it a little bit. I don't have, I don't care about your opinion about hijabs. Is there a, an article of clothing in another part of the world that you're a little jealous of? I'll give an example. So I, you know, we'll watch horse races in Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates or something. And those guys get to wear those thobs, which are like the long white robes. I'm jealous of those guys because you see the European guys at those races in like suits, sweating their heads off, and all these guys from Saudi Arabia running around in these thobs, and they look totally comfortable. So I, I, I wonder in July in Kentucky if I would like a thob. You know what I mean? Like a little, little reflective material, little breathability, little don't have to worry about sucking in the gut kind of thing. You know. So where would Ben Roberts go with that? Is there something around the world that you would love to wear? And why is it a speedo? Uh... Well, that would be terrible because, like, if you're eating a hot dog <laughs> at the track, there's no way that thing stays clean for more than – I mean, I don't even – I, I get haven't it. taken a bite yet, and there's such a bunch of – that thing's a complete mess. Um, no, I like – you know, I like hats. I wish okay. – uh, I feel like Aiden O'Brien, if we're going to stick with mm. horse racing, it seems like Aiden right. O'Brien always has kind of an interesting hat. Cool hat. I, I wish we were kind of going back to the days, like the 50s or whatever, where everybody just wore a hat everywhere. Maybe a fedora. You have great hair. I have terrible hair. This, this is these words should be coming from me and not from you. Well, I mean, but I appreciate you because you're you're essentially advocating for people of my ilk. Yeah, that's I'm I'm yeah I'm a man of the people. <laughs> and finally, a New Jersey animal shelter will name a neutered animal after your ex for Valentine's Day as a fundraiser. Uh, do you have an ex that you would like to uh, insert into this uh, into this? Uh, New Jersey Animal Shelter, and what's her name? Uh, no, I, I don't think I'm going to get involved in that. Not not a fundraiser. You don't want to help the animals, Ben? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make, yeah, I'll make a donation to the animals, but I don't think we need to start naming them. Jenny, got it. Jenny. Okay, yeah. there we go. All right. Well, he's Ben Roberts at Ben Roberts HL uh, on Twitter, Kentucky.com/slash/sports. Uh, ben, we will talk to you in a week, and by then, I think we're going to know a lot about this team. So we'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks a lot, Luke. All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. Ben Roberts, how about that?
by then they will have played Tennessee, taken a trip to Nashville against a bad Vanderbilt team, and they'll be getting ready for Gonzaga. I love this time of year with, with college basketball. There's just constant games, constant action. It's just the best. Chase, do you have a girl that you would like to name a uh, neutered pet after? Uh, not a neutered one, no. <laughs> oh, how about that? I like that. All yeah. right, okay. Well, man, Chase, he's, uh, he's scheming. Martini Italian Bistro, martinilouisville.com. They've got catering, lunch, brunch, dinner, tons of great options. They've got a really cool set <clears throat> Excuse me, of happy hours as well. If you're a happy hour person, for example, today, get over there from 4 to 6, $6 glasses of wine, $7 house martinis. Great deal. Just a terrific environment. That bar when you first walk in is just awesome. So go check them out. Martini Italian Bistro, martinilouisville.com. Quick segment on the other end. We do it next here at ESPN 680, 105.7. Could have used a few pounds. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome back in. Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. I am Louis Rabot at Radio Louis on Twitter. Go find the station at ESPN 680 as well. You can always go back to the podcast center if you ever miss, for example, Ben's appearance with us every Thursday here on uh, Rabo and Co. You can go find him at the podcast center, ESPNLouisville.com, or on our app as well. Being crushed on the text line for my pronunciation of Ijab. And, and here's what I want to say to that person. As a person who studied linguistics for way too long, I know that my Arabic pronunciations are garbage. I want to be very clear. I understand that about myself. Um, I also really appreciate Semitic languages. I think they're really cool. I love how they're set up. Um, don't, don't, just don't, just don't. Just hit, pick it up, put it down, and then I'll do something cool. Okay? There you go. Perfect. Thank you. Is So um, in, in the Semitic languages, the words, their meanings come from what the consonant sounds are. Okay? So like KTB, for example, put together deals with literacy. So in, in the parts that I know, so I studied a little bit of Sudanese Arabic, of course, because my life has been a, a hodgepodge of things that don't matter. Um, uh, so KTB, all of the, in the, within that is reading, book, uh, writing, all of those things. Or they're all related to, to some version of kitab. Kitab, kitab, kitabu, these sorts of things. And you just move the vowels around to change the meaning from, so the KTB part means literacy, right? Um, another example would be like, uh, so Arabia is the word for Arabic. It's also the word for car, which is funny. Um, but it's essentially something that helps you go, right? These kinds of things. So no, uh, the Semitic language is cool, man. I love them. So I apologize for my terrible pronunciation. Egypt. Apparently that I just need to Egypt. Like, don't even use the vowels. Person's like, don't use the vowels. They're right. Because it's the H, the J, and the, the those sounds matter more than the vowel sounds. So there you go. That sounds maddening. Um, you know, you know what's maddening is being like us and growing up with an alphabetic language. So you read it based on letters in your mind, especially like sounds going together. And then you try to read a a language like Mandarin Chinese or something that uses symbols. Good freaking luck. Yeah. Changing your brain for those things. Whenever I meet people that can do the symbol thing, I'm very impressed. I can read a lot of language, like, like an absurd number of language, like newspapers in different places, probably... 20 different languages, maybe 25, something like that. I could read the newspaper in those languages. You put a symbol in front of me, I'm useless. <laughs> Just don't. Or, or Arabic script. I'm, I'm useless. I'm useless. You, you need me to do something right to left, I'm done. It's over. <laughs> Just not, not an option for me. So there you go. I took Arabic for two years, so mine's okay. Good. No, it's good, man. Um, that's great. I, I, no, I, again, 
I think the Semitic languages, so like Amharic, um, you know, uh, uh, Hebrew, uh, Arabic, all those languages that are in that group together, I think they're awesome. But it's not it's not something that I, <laughs> I pronounce all that well. So there you go. If you need something pronounced in uh, Catalan, I can do that. Everybody loves Catalan, right? That's what they speak in Barcelona, where your soccer coach is going. How about oh, that? Oh no! See how I did that? Turned yeah. it around into something that made you sad. You think he's going to take a year off, though? No. <laughs> no. He's going straight to Barcelona. They're going to be awesome it, immediately. How's he going to make Barcelona They're going to sign gag and press. three guys for $200 million and be done with it? I mean, that's how. Come on, it's Barcelona. Yeah, they got to find some money somewhere. Well, I, I don't believe those stories at all, I, that they don't have money. I just wonder who's behind it. They play Camp New, dude. I mean, there's no chance. I know. Money. I know. All right. Uh, we'll move on from that. Thanks to Adam and his staff. They're going to drop off Wing Zone Catering uh, today to the ESPN Louisville Studios. Check them out for your next watch party, maybe for the big game next Sunday. They got that chicken sandwich. They'll dip it in any of the sauces that you want over there. Five ninety nine, really good deal, and a really good sandwich, frankly. Order online, wingzone.com. Tons of deals on the website. Uh, they got those three area locations in front of Holy Cross High School. Uh, down there, south of me, I won't name the neighborhood, uh, on Dixie Highway, that, of course, just outside of Audubon Park on Poplar Level, and Hudson Go Light in Hikes Point. The three locations there. Thank those folks over there. That's Adam and his staff at Wing Zone. So there you go. One of my very favorite days of the week. Not that I'm against pizza or the other chicken joint, which I've made disgusting uh, during those reads. Uh, I, I like the wing zone. And, and I got to say, Adam, if you're listening, I, I have no idea if this works. I'm going to try something. Whoever made the French fries last week, let them make the French fries again. It's the best the potatoes have ever been. I think I ate a box of them. Yeah. I, I don't know what they did. It was different. It was better. Have that guy do it again. Or a woman. I don't, I don't care who it is. Yeah. There you go. When the Hunsinger Lane one opened up, I was a frequent. <laughs> Very good. It is good. It's also it's a it they're they're weirdly comfortable inside. Like it's it's a good place to actually like if you have a half hour and just want to plop down somewhere to have lunch. Like that's a good spot. It yeah. is that kind of place. At least the one uh, popular, especially for me. Yeah. Um, oh man, uh, texture. I found was uh, a KP comparison. We will do that in the next hour. Uh, texture. How is your grasp of Cyrillic languages? It's okay. Um, it's a lot of these things. If you give me things in what's called the International Phonetic Alphabet. Everyone has turned off the radio by this point. Uh, I can read them very well. And once you teach me the, the, the sorts of patterns of languages. So, for example, Chase, this is something about me that is true that I imagine probably isn't true of a lot of other people. So by the time I graduated high school, I spoke four languages. Okay, And then I get to college and I keep studying and then I get to graduate school and they're like, hey, you're really good at learning languages. Do you know about this? I appreciate this person so much. Text again. I'll get to it in a second. But they're like, hey, you learn languages. Well, why don't you go study Haitian Creole in Miami for the summer? They have a federal program. It's the highest humanities award you can win. Why don't you apply for it? I got it. It was great. So I got to spend the summer in Miami. It's actually in my bio at this place that I speak Haitian Creole. And once in a while, I'll get pinged by an advertiser. Yesterday, it was Jenny Reese. She and I are working on a project. And she was like, where in the heck did you learn Haitian Creole? Well, I learned it in like three weeks. Because the vocabulary is the same as French. I just needed to learn the set structure and the pronunciation. And then like the 3% of words that fill it in. So Haitian Creole is interesting because it's a lot like English. So if you've studied Spanish, you know that with the verbs, you can conjugate them and not have to use a pronoun with them, right? Because they all sound different. So 
you know, trabajo for yo, for the yo version, right? And I'm doing very Anglo here. And then trabajas for two, right? For, for you, right? Well, in, in Haitian Creole, that doesn't exist. In English, that largely doesn't exist, right? We conjugate some verb like am, are, and is is very strange in English. But otherwise, it's usually do or does, work and works, and that's it. We only have the two, right? Haitian Creole is like that, okay? Well, once I saw that, I was like, oh, it's like English. So they just they have words like will and do and can, and could that give you the tense of the verb rather than having to do it with the actual verb itself, like trabajo, something like that. Um, it's a, uh, and then, so yeah, about three weeks I was going to restaurants. No problem. People were looking at me like, how does this guy speak Asian Creole? Have you seen the guy on social media that, that speaks like perfect Mandarin Chinese and he goes into Chinese restaurants and blows people's minds. I'm super jealous of that. Guy. I saw it the first time. Super jealous. Of Very that. recently. Now I have, by the way, uh, my, Stereotype coming, I apologize in advance. My, my dry cleaner's from Vietnam. <laughs> but I found out uh, that they're over at St. John Vianney, right? Nice people. And I, I've been there for, for Mass before and that kind of stuff. And, and I was like, hey, I think I can do all of the tones in Vietnamese. And he gave me this look like, okay, white boy, let's see it. You know, like it just gave me the look, right? Super nice guy. And, and I did it. And he was like, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I can do the tones. I don't know anything else. <laughs> I do know the sounds. They do this really cool thing over there before their evening masses during the week. They sing the prayers leading into mass. And so you get all of the tonality of the singing in Vietnamese. And it reminds you that what we consider to be like our chords and what we do in music in the West is not true in other places. So it's, it's kind of a fun thing to be able to go do. I, I enjoy it. Um, the thing I love about learning other languages, Chase, and we'll close with this, is I think it allows you to get inside of the heads of other people about how they see the world and help you understand. The example I always use is a very simple one. But in French, for example, there are multiple words for river because to the French, there are different kinds of rivers. Now, in English, we kind of do this. We have streams and creeks, and we, we make a difference in size. But in, in French, even to the river level, it's rivière and fleuve. One of them runs into another river. It dead ends into a river. And another one dead ends into a body of water. So in a French person's head, where rivers terminate, where they end, matters. That's a very different way of thinking about that than we do. Like Big Sandy River is just a river that ends in the Ohio. The Ohio River is just a river that ends in the Mississippi. We don't think of the Mississippi as different because it dumps into the Gulf of Mexico. right? That, in English, that's not something we do. But it shapes your mind and how you think about this thing. Texture of all the texts of all the text lights, smack talk, you get called out on your appreciate on your pronunciation of Arabic. No, it's my life. It's okay. Um, texture. Hey, the stream is back. It was down all morning. Haven't tried in the past hour or so. Um, oh, good. I'm glad it's on. Uh, texture. All this linguistics talk from the guy who pronounces aqueduct. Is- <laughs> oh, Bill, I love you too. Thank you for texting it. Uh, texture. How much is the early pick five get a five get a pay? At Gulfstream Park. Man, I don't know the answer to that. I will tell you at 1102. How about that for a tease? I will check out that card. Uh, we'll get to that. Jay Davis will join us here as well. Uh, Texter, so what you're saying is I can't just add an O to the end of every word to be fluent in Spanish. Damn it. Uh, more Spanish talk. We do it next.